We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. You deserve a checking account that always goes for two, as in 2% cash back. Earn more on everyday purchases with a cash back checking account at Emprise Bank. Visit EmpriseBank.com. Member FDIC, a big shout out and thank you to them for their support here of KC Sports Network. We've had a lot of fun early on. And we're still having a lot of fun talking uh, about the Chiefs' opponents this year. Our season preview continues today, week seven, week eight. And here to help me talk about that are my dear pals. First, find them on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Matthew Lane. What is good with you, my friend? Can't. I'm enjoying the energy that you have right now. And I enjoyed it a little bit more the first time before we had to stop and re-record this due to my poor internet, because then I have just been slandered due to my poor internet in between these recordings. <laughs> I don't appreciate it. We were up here. You know, my my confidence level's down here right now because the way Kent has treated me off, uh, <laughs> off screen right now. So just, I want that to go out there in the world. But um, I also want to say, Thank you guys, everybody that supported us. We've had some big announcements over at the KC Sports Network lately. If you want to catch them all, go to kcsn.substack.com. Make sure you subscribe. But there's been a lot of big announcements lately, and we just had a lot of fun with everybody showing their support lately. There's been some really cool stuff that's happening. I know it energized me. I think it did Craig until he had this really long, tiresome Father's Day. But even at his old age, he was able to rally (laughs) with the energy you guys provided him and go out there and run a sub 8083 cone. Something Kent not, has never done. Oh wow! <laughs> I'm not gonna Payback. lie. Um, you you two bickering before <laughs> we started the podcast probably gave me the energy that I needed to do this right. So let's get to the Titans. Let's get to the Giants, and let's get this little grouping of teams that, frankly, eh, you know, <laughs> let's get this knocked out. Wow, Shots you just really. Tired. You just, that we're like a few minutes into the podcast and you just summarized it. Now no one's going to want to listen to us talk about the Titans and the Giants listen, now, Craig. Listen, <laughs> one of these teams is mayonnaise and the other is the Giants. So if- <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the Titans, uh, the Tennessee Hellmans. I mean, Titans uh, quality of the roster, Craig, what do you think? 
It's actually not that bad. It's not as bad as I'm making it out to be. Um, <laughs> especially after adding Julio Jones recently, this team actually has some decent weapons. I mean, it it starts with the quarterback position. Ryan Fitzpatrick is just fine. He's not great. He's not as great as maybe as some of the analytics would have well, you Now, believe, hold on. But... They did not upgrade from Ryan Tannehill <laughs> to Ryan Fitzpatrick. They oh, did not goodness. make that upgrade. They have Ryan okay. Tannehill, who is just fine. Real quick, on the KCSN Discord channel, we had a list of prop bets that they asked us to create, and I put Craig mispronouncing a name, the over-under set, I believe at one and a half. We are halfway there, only a few minutes into the show. This is a common occurrence. This is going to happen. This is what happens. So sorry. Ryan Tannehill. He's fine. He's not great. He's not as great as the analytics would say, but he's fine. He gets the job done there. They've really insulated him with a lot of good weapons, especially with Julio Jones there. AJ Brown's a really fantastic receiver as well. I like some of the things that they've done on defense, but there are still a lot of question marks on that side of the ball as well. So, I mean, it's a good roster. It's not It's not a bad roster by any means, but it's not one that you look at and you say, okay, this is a roster that's definitely going to contend in the AFC. It just kind of seems like they're plodding along kind of about the same rate that they have the past couple of years. And I don't know that that's good enough to really challenge the Chiefs, you know, the the Bills, all these other AFC powerhouses that look really good coming into this year. It's really interesting roster. You kind of start looking through it, and I'm with Craig. I don't think it's a bad roster, but just kind of envision your head right now. Close your eyes and envision Mike Vrabel on the sideline coaching a team. That is what makes up their roster. Like that exact aura of Mike Vrabel coaching the team, that is what their roster is. And that's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just it's a lot of guys that try really hard. They play really physical. It's a monster of a team. Like, you want to tell me that one team outworks any other team in the NFL in the weight room? Yeah, I might pick oh, the yeah. Titans. Like they got some freaks on that team. But I just, on the football field, it seems like they're always going to be missing a couple pieces on both sides of the ball. One area that actually really does worry me is their offensive line. I think it's taken a pretty steady step back each year over the last three seasons. I don't think they've replaced some guys that they've lost. So right now, it's essentially Taylor Luan, Ben Jones, and then they're trying out some other guys that haven't been there quite as long. They're going to see how it clicks. And I think what makes that team go is that offensive line. Defensively, they are continuing to try to add pass rush help because that's what they've been missing. The only problem is they've now sacrificed a lot of the talent they had in the secondary to do so. So they're just kind of dropping some guys off while bringing in guys to a different position. And it just seems like they're always a couple pieces away. Uh, if you were driving your car while listening to this show, I hope you didn't close your eyes as Maddie Lane asked you to. Or if you're still listening, that's really impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Maddie still hasn't told you to open them. Um, yeah, I, I I would tend to agree. It's it's, weird is a, a, a good word to use for this roster construction. I think they're trying to turn some things over on the defensive side of the football. And they've tried to add some players into the mix, you know, like a Bud Dupree, Danico Audrey they're trying to improve their front seven because they had a lot of issues on the back end spent some draft picks um added some you know some veterans in their secondary they're trying to turn that defense over that wasn't particularly good last year and but you're you're right I think the strength hasn't hasn't continued to be a strength in the same way and that's the offensive line I don't think that they have the guys up front um to support the the offense the same way they have in the past now the skill players are they're they're quality. I mean, they're really good. 
Derrick Henry, Julio Jones. Oh, AJ Brown. They brought Josh Reynolds in. We were all clamoring for Josh Reynolds this offseason. I mean, this is a good group of skill players. It's just questions up front on the offensive line. Uh, and it's going to it's gonna take some development from this coaching staff. And speaking of the coaching staff, what do you think of this coaching staff, Matthew? It's a, it, Vrabel. I really like Mike Vrabel as a person, as a coach. Like he seems not, okay, as a person off the field, let me be very clear. I don't know enough about Mike Vrabel to say I like him off the field, but his personality <laughs> as a coach, I can really get behind. I think he motivates his players to not only play really hard, I think that's something that a lot of coaches can do, but I think he motivates his players to play up to the best of their ability quite frequently. It's like we talked about the roster not being great. I do think Vrabel does a good job maximizing their effort and just kind of their ability to play at their best on the field. What concerns me, Todd Downing taking over for (laughs) Arthur Smith as the offensive coordinator. He got Derek Carr to play quite well for a season. And then things just kind of spiraled back to where we got Derek Carr playing the same he had right before that. It seemed like it was just a lot of just shine that was quickly wore off and turned back to rust. And I don't know if Downing is ready to take over Ryan Tannehill and continue to help him climb back from what everybody thought of him when he got to the Titans. I think that offense is in for a big step back from the roster perspective and from the big downgraded offensive coordinator. And obviously the big downgrade that they had two years ago when Dean Pease retired as their defensive coordinator last year, Mike Vrabel called a lot of the stuff and did a lot of the game, you know, game week prep on the defensive side of the ball. But he entrusted, you know, he entrusted their now defensive coordinator, Shane Bowen, to handle a lot of those responsibilities, but he wasn't officially the defensive coordinator. Now he is. So we'll see if he can flip that switch and make that transition to being the full-time handling the week-to-week stuff because clearly you know with Mike Vrabel having to be a head coach and handle all the defensive responsibilities the defense kind of suffered a little bit now the focus that I'm looking at is in the secondary there they got a lot of young kids they got a lot of guys that they drafted that I I was high on you know I will probably talk about a few of them coming up here but I I was very high on these guys, but they are going to require some development. And I've just got question marks about their secondary coaching and their ability to maximize those guys where they were in the spots beforehand, both of their coaches, not so great. They didn't maximize their players. So we'll have to see if that happens. They can get those guys on the field earlier. Then all of a sudden this defense might be able to turn a corner midseason. Yeah, I can't understate Arthur Smith. Uh, and and the loss he has a, a very run heavy offense, but creative, extremely creative. A lot of logic building, building on top of tendencies, building the logic and the progressive logic of his offense. Everything made a lot of sense. Uh, even running the football at the clip that they did at times made some sense. And I like what he was able to do. A Todd Downing might be able to integrate some of the shifts and motions and some of the looks that they were able to give and some of the window dressing, but does the logic progress and do the instincts of the play caller feel the same? That's really hard to replicate. You can, you can orbit motion all you want, like Andy Reed, but that doesn't mean you're Andy Reed. And I think that's something that it's going to be worth watching is, are they able to build logically uh, continue to build on what they've done in the past because what you've done in the past does not always indicate what you're able to do in the future. And you can try to replicate all that Arthur Smith did, but you're not going to be able to op- replicate what's in the mind of the play caller entirely. 
that's going to be fascinating. New additions, Craig, uh, give me one that you're really interested in. I'm really interested in Elijah Molden. I think that he's got a shot to win the early nickelback role for the Titans. They don't really have a ton of really quality options at that spot. So I think that he's got a chance to play like Mike Vrabel wants him to play. That's actually a really good pairing because he is a very physical player. He's a hard worker. He's a very sharp individual. He's going to be able to pick up everything quickly, get on the field quickly. I think that Elijah Molden will win that job early, but he is a little bit limited athletically. So if he gets on the field early and starts getting routed up, if it becomes a, you know, a little bit of a situation where he gets exposed, can they shift? Can they evolve? I mean, he's certainly going to be great in everything underneath and in a lot of these zone-heavy schemes. But if he gets man-on-man matchups, he might get a little bit exposed by NFL-level speed. So I'm just got an eye on him. Really liked him coming out. Not so sure if he's going to be able to make that that switch to the NFL athleticism. So my new addition, and I had two options. I'm going to go with the better of the two players, I think, and go with Bud Dupree. I think he's coming off of back-to-back quality, high-quality years. And in Pittsburgh, it's hard to tell how much of it was simply just him being really good and how much of it was him taking advantage of some one-on-ones based on how good the rest of you know that defensive line plus TJ Watt were and making it easy for him. But when you watched him, he looked good. He looked explosive. He looked big. He looked like a guy that finally figured it out. So now you take him to the Titans and you put him across from Harold Landry. I do think that a healthy Bud Dupree is going to get more attention, so he might not be as efficient, but that's going to open everything up for Harold Landry across from him. I still think Bud Dupree, if he can even come close to 90% of what he was doing last year, I do think that finally gives the Titans a consistent and quality rusher across from Landry, and that maybe helps solve their major lack of edge pressure over these last couple of seasons when they've been trying to compete. So I'm going to go with Caleb Farley, uh, the cornerback uh, and first-round pick out of Virginia Tech, a guy that uh, sat out the entirety of the 2020 season, a guy that came in with some injury concerns coming into the draft that helped him fall. And one of the reasons I want to talk about him is because this isn't a, ta- a tactic and an approach the Tennessee Titans have taken, even with Bud Dupree. Uh, they've got they, they, they've signed Bud Dupree despite an ACL injury that could uh, limit him initially early. But they've been really um, mindful of acquiring players like Jeffrey Simmons and and Caleb Farley. This is a tactic. This is a strategy, a team-building approach that the Titans have taken, even though they may not have necessarily been at the top of the draft the last few years. They're going out, and they're taking some risks on some guys uh, because the swing on talent. Jeffrey Simmons is an exceptional talent along the interior of that defensive line, and Caleb Farley has the potential to be an outstanding corner as well. The physical profile is undoubtedly there. He's a rare athlete, long, um, makes some plays on the football, and there's a lot to develop there for this coaching staff that may be a little bit more unproven on the defensive side of the football, but that is a new addition I'm very fascinated in. Uh, because this is a team building philosophy that becomes very, very obvious with what the Texans or the Titans are doing. And, and Farley is just the next in line in a group of guys where they're maybe taking some risks on some injury, injury prone, prone players, Uh player to watch. Uh, I'm going to go, you know, we're talking all the, we're talking all the time here about Julio Jones and, and all this stuff, but let's talk about AJ Brown. I mean, mm-hmm. this man has had an outstanding 
uh, early start to his career. You know, he gets overshadowed a little bit by his teammate DK Metcalf out there at Ole Miss, but there's two Ole Miss receivers thriving in the National Football League. Thriving. Um, thriving. Uh, what are they and, doing, guys? Uh, thriving. Thriving. Okay, I just I didn't catch that the first couple times. Well, there you, you go. Need, you, you, got, needed, you needed some more? I'm going to use it, it again. I needed it in unison. I needed it in unison. That's no, what I was I really looking can't. for. Listen, there's, we're not that good. There's too much delay on our internet. Like we could probably harmonize it and do really good because me and Craig are just like that. It's a lot of excuses right now. mm -hmm. Next time we're in person, we'll do a three-part harmony and I'll do two of the parts. Who cares? Whatever. Uh, AJ Brown though. I, I, Big physical receiver, uh, strong through contact, athletic freak that's able to run away from people, physical at the catch point. There's a lot of traits you really like. He's had a lot of success in the Titans offense specifically um he's been fantastic and things should get a little bit easier for him with julio jones there too this is a physically imposing offense with a lot of with their skill players with derrick henry and aj brown and and julio jones now too uh but don't sleep on aj brown i mean I, no i don't think anybody is but i think it's easy to forget how good he is in light of the fact that julio jones is going to be lining up across him now too now I'm going to choose the real most important part of this offense, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is my player to watch. I We have seen this offense just be, you know, one-way street down Derrick Henry Avenue for the past few years, and it's worked. Like, they've been able to hang in there. They've been able to play, you know, close with some teams. We as Chiefs fans are very aware of what Derrick Henry can do. But with this shift, Arthur Smith leaving, now all of a sudden – how is that handled? Are they still going to have the same focus? Are they still going to be as creative? Are they still going to be able to you know, blow open holes on the interior with an inferior offensive line here? Is Derrick Henry going to finally take a regressive, you know, take that step backwards? It remains to be seen because last year, despite everything not being great, he was still really great. He really was. He's one of, you know, an old school running back in an old school offense now what happens does he take that step back they start trying to get him the ball in the passing game a little bit more do they really take his touches off the table it is you know fascinating to me as these guys talked about when we were talking about the coaching staff earlier fascinating to me to see what his true usage is going to be now that the offense is changing hands a little bit more so for me i'm going to flip to the other side of the ball because i think we got to show their defense a little bit of love one of my favorite players in the nfl Justin Simmons, defensive tackle. Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons, sorry. Well, I also love <laughs> Justin Simmons, actually. The safety from the Denver Broncos, also one of my favorite players in the league. But That's also, true. not. I like Jeffrey Simmons more. I loved him coming out of college. I think he's been really good for the Titans, but I think he's on that doorstep to taking you know that final leap to becoming a stud defensive tackle. I think Fletcher Cox is kind of getting towards the twilight of his career, and you're kind of starting to have a little mm -hmm. bit of a void to go along with Chris Jones, Aaron Donald, Maybe DeForest Buckner's right there too, but you're kind of there's a little bit of space for somebody else to step in. And I really do think that Jeffrey Simmons could be a guy to do that. They're finally surrounding him with some other speed rushers on the outside, should give him a few more favorable matchups on the inside. I mean, we know he's an athletic freak that has a rare body type and rare athleticism, especially his explosion and his power. This could be the year he finally makes a big one. All right, so we got Julio Jones here in the mix for the Tennessee Titans, a big, physical, imposing group of skill players. How does this team beat the Chiefs, though, Maddie? 
Well, I think you did it right there at the top. They are come out and they be physically imposing. It's kind of the brawn versus the speed when you're looking at this matchup across the board. Even guys we haven't mentioned yet with Danico Autry, Rashawn Evans, this Titans team is a powerful, strong, hard, slugging team. They slow this game down and they slug it out with the Chiefs and they just physically dominate them with their power, their strength, and their size. I think that's the path of the Titans to ultimately beat the Chiefs if they can slow down Patrick Mahomes. And the only way that they're slowing down Patrick Mahomes is if those rookies step up. If by the time we hit week seven, these rookies in the secondary are playing well enough. If Caleb Farley really comes back and he's healthy, he's playing well, Elijah Molden's playing well in the slot, I think they can do enough to allow those players to play physical and try and impose their will on this Chiefs team. The Chiefs have done really well adding power, adding strength across the board, but this Titans team is still just another level up. The rookies play well they can hang with the Chiefs, maybe. I think the Titans have tried to shake some things up and, and change the, the talent on this football team on both sides of the football a little bit. But the formula really hasn't changed all that much, I don't think, for how they want to win football games. And Mike Vrabel has had a lot of success playing from out ahead. At one point, he was undefeated in a large... Like, I think he was 50-0 or something crazy like that at one point when his team was leading at halftime. Playing out from ahead is a big piece of the formula for success for this football team, wearing teams out with Derrick Henry in the back end of that game. That's the formula. Titans get out ahead. That's how they've got to try to beat this Kansas City Chiefs team. All right, we're moving on to week eight. Playing the New York Giants in Arrowhead. And Craig Kent, hate, Kent hates talking about the MVPs of these games. He really does because we remove does. we remove Patrick Mahomes from the conversation. So when quarterbacks <laughs> not available, talk about Kent just shuts down. It's like yeah, football doesn't exist without the quarterback. <laughs> so you know whatever. what? This is very clearly a June show for us because we've all screwed up. Now we're all even. We've got Ryan Fitzpatrick, Justin Simmons, and no MVPs <laughs> in this show. Okay, who is the Chiefs? Uh, non-Patrick LeVon Mahomes MVP, I'm going to mix things up this week. I'm going to put Maddie in a very difficult position because I'm going to go with Travis Kelsey. <gasps> I don't think this is allowed. Look, <laughs> Travis Kelsey should have a lot of success against a secondary that doesn't have a ton of great solutions for him. He is one of the most difficult matchups in the National Football League. You could try to put Kevin Byard on him, but I don't think that's where you want him. You want him operating as a single-eye safety, but he's the he's the playmaker in their back end. I don't really see a ton of guys that are going to be able to match up entirely great with him outside of Caleb Farley. So if Caleb Farley isn't ready, Good luck. I don't want rookie Caleb Farley, no matter how well he's playing, trying to match up with Travis Kelsey. I'm going with Travis Kelsey, Matthew. Wow. I'm throwing him for a, for a loop here. I'm going with Jerron Reed because the interior of this offensive line is not good. And I do still think that they're going to try and run the ball plenty. Jerron Reed might have a massive impact game in this one, both stopping the run and then when the Chiefs get out to a bigger lead, being able to collapse the pocket a little bit, working opposite some of these other pass rushers, getting getting a few of those you know later sacks on Tannehill. I think Jerron Reed is prime for like not a breakout game necessarily because I think he'll be playing well prior to this, but kind of a, kind of a peak game for him. I think the perfect situation for him. Is there any way that we can get a producer to just rewind and play Kent's segment <laughs> again right now for me, <laughs> so I can take Travis Kelsey too? Here's a fun fact though: 
the last two times the Chiefs have played the Titans, they have defended Travis Kelsey incredibly well. He's averaged a lot lower than his career or season averages in terms of catches and yards per catch. So the Titans, with, I think, better defensive personnel in the secondary, have been able to handle Kelsey relatively well. So I was on the fence if I should go with Travis Kelsey. <laughs> Who am I kidding? I am picking no, Travis kidding. Kelsey here. I have looked at this team's safeties outside Kevin Bayard. There is nobody that can line up with Travis Kelsey. This D have to change a little bit here with the lack of talent on the outside at cornerback right now, at least proven talent. Travis Kelsey breaking the two-game streak of, you know, having subpar for Kelsey standards production. Boy, the bit is more strong than diversifying the content. I see how it is, Matthew. Okay, now it's time for week eight. Sorry for being premature there again. Uh, I think that's like the second time I've already done this. My apologies. I Hopefully y'all forgive me. But week eight... The Chiefs play the New York Giants at home. Craig, what's the quality of the roster in your eyes? Ouch. Just (laughs) (laughs) quality of this roster is not great, guys. And then they went out of their way to draft a small receiver in round one when it just, it's not great. They didn't do a whole lot to really take the step forward that you would hope. Daniel Jones is still their quarterback, a guy that I love his toughness, but I had—I mean, we all had questions about him coming out in college, but he's tough, which is good because he takes a lot of hits and he has to take off running and takes a lot of hits there too. This defense has a couple pieces that are okay about it that I like all right, but by and large, this is just this is one of the poorer quality rosters on paper that we've talked about yet and may talk about for the rest of the season. Wow. <laughs> Here's the best way I can sum this one up. Daniel Jones is their starting quarterback, and that's not even the biggest roster flaw that they have. So just let that soak in for a second. Like they have bigger issues than Daniel Jones being their starting quarterback. This team, they've done, they have done a good job of trying to bring in players at positions that they need to get better at. They really have. The issue is there was just about every position needed to have improvement, and you can only turn over so many spots through free agency or through the draft in a single season. So I do think they are trending in the correct direction in terms of how this roster is being built. It's definitely better than it was two years ago. The issue is it's just they still have a long way to go, and I'm afraid that they're always going to be capped by how poor their quarterback play is, and I don't know if they have enough guys to allow some of their more skilled, skilled position players to carry this team. I don't think there's any help for some of those skilled position players that do have talent. I think the word weird is such a I, – I've used it twice. But some of the things that they've done on defense, it's like their their front would be really nice in 2009 – uh, they've done a lot to beef up that front. There's not a ton of pass rush juice up front with their, you know, with their front seven even period. Um, I, you know, I think they're hoping, you know, Aziz Oshilari is a guy that, you know, steps up and is able to help, you know, rush the passer a little bit, but it's just a very bizarre, you know, roster. And they've made some weird decisions, you know, adding some guys like Danny Shelton in free agency when you already have Dexter uh, Lawrence and Leonard Williams. Like that's just, just a lot of just it's just a it's just a weird roster and some of the decisions that they some of the decisions that Dave Gettleman's made are just it's bizarre and uh that's the nicest thing I can say about it the quality of the staff this is an interesting one because Jason Garrett 
the perpetual clapper is the offensive coordinator. They were largely poor for 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 most of the season. Uh, and um, I, I didn't see a ton of creativity. I saw really horrific in execution when I was watching them play. And that was alarming to me. But Joe Judge, on the other hand, I'm kind of fascinated by. You know, he got a lot of grief during training camp where he was running one of the more physical training camps. He tried some of the Belichick tactics, real physical camp, but also just some of the, you know, not wear number kind of stuff that Bill Belichick, you know, not wearing numbers at, at OTAs and stuff that, that Bill Belichick likes to do. So he's got some of the gimmicky sticks there. But this team really played hard for him down late down the stretch and they improved and they got better throughout the year. So, you know, I think Joe judge is actually kind of starting to set a vision, whether or not he has the talent on his staff to help get the most out of this group. They had some turnover at the offensive line position uh, mid season last year. So some drama and chaos there, there's a lot up in the air with this group, but I like Joe judge and the back end of Joe judges first season was actually kind of impressive. Uh, yeah <laughs> i mean yeah d- d- now if you're looking at the giants on paper here and looking at last year patrick graham their defensive coordinator actually coached them to the number nine scoring defense in the nfl and on paper that looks really good until you remember that they played the nfc east twice <laughs> i just without dak prescott involved in the nfc East, so i I don't have a whole lot of hope. You know, uh, Graham is another guy that just came from the Bill Belichick tree, a guy that tries to do things the Belichick way, as we've seen on defense. Those guys just, uh, they really don't translate very well once they get outside of Bill. The, the Bill Belichick defense is Bill, and that's why it succeeds as much as it does with the creativity and the way that he approaches the game. So I don't know that they're going to make the same, you know, waves i guess in the top 10 here that they did last year i think once this nfc east comes around a little bit more i think you'll see some of these flaws get exposed but i am kind of keeping an eye on patrick graham to see if he can keep the nfc east in check again this year well i guess i'm stuck talking about jason garrett a little bit here and i don't know if there's a lot to say this uh this offense has less talent than the last offense that I think he coached. There's some good skilled position players, but overall I don't think this offense is as talented as the Dallas teams that he had down the stretch. Mm -hmm. And he just didn't do anything. He didn't do anything entertaining with the Dallas offense from a scheme (laughs) perspective. He essentially said, Hey, you got some talented guys out there run this play. No, it didn't work. It did work. It doesn't matter. It was just a couple claps. There was nothing there. He has nothing to hang his hat on in terms of an offensive play caller other than the fact that he has a good tree he's coming from. I don't see how he elevates Daniel Jones' play. I don't see how he finds a way to utilize some of these really fun skill position players that they do have. I have zero confidence in this offense being anything short of a train wreck that's fun to watch because it's so bad. Well, yeah, I think they went, I think it was four and three on the back end, but it wasn't necessarily because of the offense. Uh, and there was a lot of defense. There was a lot of, you know, there it was just toughing games out. I don't think they scored. I'm looking at it. They didn't score more than 27 points in the back half of their season. Wasn't the biggest offensive highlight for them all season, Daniel Jones running for like 60 yards? And, and then like fumbling. A, and then stumbling. And then and fumbling. Yeah. They actually went five and three in the back half of the season, and they didn't score more than 27 points. 
in the back half. But hey, they they had a formula for winning football games, I guess, and they figured some things out and went five and three in the back end. Um, let's go about new. Let's look at new additions here. What do you think here, Maddie? I guess I'm going to go with Kadarius Tony just because I am interested to see how they find a way to slot him in. They brought in, you know, some other receivers that I'll let you guys potentially talk about or not. I'm not going to take every receiver this week since I got yelled out for that last time. But Kadarius Tony is a guy. Position group next time. Kadarius Tony is a guy that I think is going to be playing in a similar role to some other players they have. Sterling Shepard's been there. They, I don't think anyone's going to pick Dante Pettis, but he's another guy that I think probably operates in a similar role that Kadarius Tony's going to. So how do they find a way to get Tony on? the field with these other guys plus some of the other wide receivers they're going to have on the outside what's the plan to involve tony because you need a very direct plan and this brings me back to the point what is jason garrett going to do except for clap at him is he really going to call <laughs> up you know just this really intricate new age stuff to get Kadarius tony the ball in space or where he needs it i don't really think so but we'll see i am going to go with azizo jalari and I talked about him a little bit earlier. Uh, this is a lighter edge rusher that we actually had a really high grade on the KC draft guide. I think he was a fringe first round grade for us. Some injury concerns and some of his athletic testing probably would have dropped him uh, had we had access to that a little bit earlier when we were doing the book. But we really like the phone grade for him. And he's the most bendy uh, edge rusher uh, in this entire class, I think, coming off the edge. And he had a really productive career over at Georgia in a limited sample size. He's a really young player. There's a lot to like about him. You're a little bit disappointed in the athletic profile translating, but for a lighter edge rusher, he, he, he's probably the best guy coming out of this draft class this year. The giants really need him to step up in a big way. Uh, they need him to, to play at a higher level because the, I don't see a lot of guys up front that are really going to help them generate a ton of pressure. They were able to survive that last season, obviously, but they need some juice off the edge and they're hoping Aziz Ojolari can give that to them. My guy is my son, Reggie Ragland. (laughs) Reggie Ragland, after playing in Kansas City, going to Detroit last year, ends up with the New York Giants. Currently, he's kind of slotted in there in the mix with like Blake Martinez, but they don't have a ton of really quality linebackers after Lorenzo Carter. So I think that Lorenzo Carter is going to get the majority of the snaps. Reggie Ragland might actually play quite a bit for them we know he's a very smart guy we know he picks up things really well if they are going to try and run a little bit more of a belichickian defense and they want a guy that can blitz really well can get into zone drops well enough and can be a you know a run thumper which we know reggie ragland makes a ton of sense especially if you're not going to ask your linebackers to play a lot of man coverage which you know i expect that they won't so based on this linebacking core so if reggie ragland gets a real opportunity to earn a starting spot i think he might be like one of these random low-key signings that ends up playing a lot of snaps for the giants all right, let's go with players to watch. And I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley, which is really hilarious that we've sat here this entire time and not even brought him up once, especially after just dunking on the entirety of their off of their roster construction. There is one of the best running backs in football, a granted coming off injury still on that team that speaks to the realities of the National Football League these days with regard to the running back position. Uh, and it also speaks to some of the distractions that just sit there on paper with this football team's roster. Uh, Saquon Barkley, though, is an exceptional talent, uh, one of the highest-graded running backs I've had doing this gig here in the last five years, a very talented player, both again with the run and the pass, 
physically imposing rare athletic profile. He's a lot of fun. He's running uh, into piles of nothingness very often. And it's been really difficult to see his full potential and talent realized because of how bad everything around him has been. Hopefully that is not the case this year, just against the Chiefs at least. Yeah, uh, my guy to watch is going to be Andrew Thomas. Uh, he was a rookie last year, played left tackle for the Giants, did not start the season well, but progressively kind of made strides as the season went along. Now, Nate Solder, who was the guy that's played left tackle for the Giants for a number of years, who opted out due to COVID, is back in the building. He signed a new contract this season. So, they expect him to be a major player for this organization. Where does that leave Thomas? Are they going to leave him at left tackle? Are they going to move him to right tackle? Is Nate Solder going to move to right tackle? Remains to be seen. I would like to see Andrew Thomas get to stay at left tackle, but we know that Solder is a good left tackle as well. So I think that the you know there's a lot of question marks about this offensive line, but with those two tackles, I feel like they can actually protect you know, Daniel Jones a little bit if Andrew Thomas can make that next step as we started to see him make at the end of the year. Well, Kent was dunking on us for not talking about Saquon Barkley, but we just got to the segment where we're allowed to talk about Saquon Barkley because <laughs> he's the only player worth watching on his offense. So yeah, we hadn't talked about him yet. He's by far, he's the most physically impressive running back in the league. He might be the most physically gifted running back since Adrian Peterson entered the NFL. Like he's that level of athlete just from his size and explosiveness. I love watching Saquon, Saquon Barkley. I won't pick with him though. I'll go with Shane Lemieux. I want to pick another offensive lineman. He's another mm -hmm. guy that was a rookie last year. I don't think he played particularly well last year either, but he's slated right now to start. Is he going to take a step? And because he's going to be playing hopefully next to Andrew Thomas again, I do think I had read that they're planning on letting Thomas keep his left tackle job. Not 100% sure on that. But if you pick put those two guys next to each other, presumably you would get Matt, or not Matt Pert, but Will Hernandez and Nate Solder on the right side. You're forming a pretty good offensive line to block for Saquon Barkley. And essentially your only path to success is to run your team like the Tennessee Titans. I mean, Joe Judge is a miniature Mike Vrabel anyway. You might as well try to make a miniature <laughs> Tennessee Titans. So just let Saquon Barkley run behind a good offensive line for that to happen. Shane Lemieux especially has to take some major strides because I do think he played essentially like a fifth round interior offensive lineman would have last year. All right, it's time to ask the question, how do the New York football Giants beat the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, it's going to take Daniel Jones and all that time he spent with the Mannings, tapping into some inner Manning that he's developed and having the Daniel Jones blackout game where he just goes absolutely off, doesn't turn, turn over the football for the first time in the history of his career, it feels like, in a game, and play perfect football, uh, a complimentary football to a defense that can't rush the passer. But <laughs> I think there's really not a big formula to this game. They're just going to have to play. It's, Daniel Jones got to play above his head, not turn over the football. Yeah, and the way that you don't turn over the football is you bust out the zone read with Saquon Barkley. That's what they're just going to do. They're going to line up and run the ball with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley about 40 times against this Chiefs defense, which is better suited to stop the run than it has been. But Patrick Mahomes would also have to play a really bad game on the other side of the ball as well. There's just not many avenues to victory for the Giants in this game. So let's go on a little journey. The Chiefs are coming off of a big victory over the Tennessee Titans where they put them down for a little dirt nap. And they know they're playing on primetime right after Halloween. 
McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey band together to throw just a banger of a Halloween party. <laughs> Big Red's feeling good. He lets them stay out a little later than normal. Chiefs show up thinking it's a primetime game, but they show up a little sluggish. You know, they come out with like a D minus game and the Giants still pull a rabbit out of their hat and win with a last second field goal. That's the only path to them winning this game. Okay. Well, I'm going to remember the question this time. Who is the Chiefs? Non-Patrick LeVon Mahomes MVP against the New York football Giants, Greg. Oh, man. Who isn't? Um, <laughs> let's see here. I'm going to go with Frank Clark. I, I do think that this is a, a good, a decent set of tackles, and they got a couple pieces here. But I think Frank Clark can line up opposite of Andrew Thomas and just with technique work him a little bit be able to get daniel jones you know a little bit rattled back there we know jones is going to hold on to the ball he does and he turns the ball over regularly so frank clark could just have a field day off the edge get a strip sack or two in this game and really cement as a, you know the mvp of this one so like Craig said, who's it not going to be? I do think that getting somebody like McCole Hardman or Tyree Kill, but I think Tyree Kill is going to be matched up with James Bradbury a lot, who played excellent for the Giants last year. I do, we did get through all, there's a guy that we did leave out. James Bradbury played absolutely phenomenal for the Giants last year at cornerback. He's still there. I do think that, you know, Tyree Kill, if he's shadowed by him, might have a little bit of a difficult game. So that's going to leave McCole Hardman, you know, some other guys, maybe Byron Pringle to get deep, really take the top off this defense because I don't think there's going to be any difficulty stopping. No, it's Travis Kelsey. Reggie <laughs> Ragland's competing for a starting spot as their coverage linebacker because Blake Martinez is the other. Travis Kelsey's going to be open all day long. Love you, Reggie. Let's let's go ahead and just give Anthony Hitchens some love here. There is no rhyme or reason to some of the stuff that Jason Garrett tried to do last year, and Anthony Hitchens <laughs> is going to see right through it. Mm -hmm. I think this is a prime game where the Giants want to control the football. They want to operate this game through Saquon Barkley with all of Jason Garrett's shifts and motions that don't have a ton of logic, rhyme or reason, or building uh, logic off of them whatsoever. And Anthony Hitchens is going to be like, uh-uh, nope. This is one of those games where Anthony Hitchens is playing fast with his hair on fire. He doesn't have to worry about completions from Daniel Jones. I'm going to go and give Anthony Hitchens a little bit of love here this week. This is the Anthony Hitchens game, and this is the end of the KC Laboratory. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us. Make sure you are subscribed at kcsn.substack.com. So much great stuff happening there. Subscribe to the YouTube. Check us out on all your podcast platforms. And thank you again to Emprise Bank, member FDIC, for all their help making this possible. We'll catch you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.